she said to me in the diagnosis, you're one of the most successful worst cases of ADHD I've seen. I'm good at planning, but I'm not good at then seeing the plan through. Do you think you would be a business owner if you didn't have ADHD? When I got diagnosed in 2020, I had my marketing agency and there was a team of 30, 35 of us. And I really quickly realised that that was just completely the wrong environment for me to Mm. be in. One of the saddest things is just looking at the way you've treated yourself. How can we support those around us who have ADHD? Being ADHD isn't hard. Living in a neurotypical world is hard. Welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Starting the Conversation, episode number 232. I'm your host, Alice Bennett. Oh, is it 22? No, it's 30. Oh, sorry. Oh, you I said 22 earlier. earlier. Oh. oh, sorry. Sorry. We'll go with whatever, 32 or 22. Look at the episode title. <laughs> you don't need to apologise. I actually love a bit of, bit of guest interaction in the intro. Because I like to think it makes people go, oh my God, I just heard the guest. Who is it? You know, they're trying to figure it out. I'm your host, Alice Fed. I'm joined this week by Amanda Perry. Hello. Hi, Alice. I'm so excited to have you. Oh, this is so weird. I, I was just saying I haven't done an in-person podcast before. It's like 3D. Yeah. It's so much nicer, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's just like, yeah, but it's dangerous because it's like sitting down, having a chat, and then it gets put out to the world. You know this. <laughs> and that is where I that do is, it. That's your trick. It yeah. is. Well, I feel like on Zoom, you're, you're aware. Yeah. Because also... I not afraid to admit it when I'm on zoom I am glued to my own face I'm oh, watching yeah. myself like it's the Alice yeah. Benham show and I think that makes <laughs> you much more like a of a narcissist and b just aware of yourself because you're aware of how you look and what you're saying and how yeah. you're coming across whereas I think when you're like just sat on a sofa it's very easy to forget that on the end of this microphone is thousands of people oh my god um, stop so I do yeah, think you is. get things more vulnerable but I also just think it feels nicer to listen to you say lots <laughs> of things then you almost pause for the next question yeah I think it makes it a yeah bit you've more got that forth. tech like even if you haven't got a, a lag on zoom you've still got that it's like yeah. a phone call isn't it yeah uh, yeah, I hadn't even thought about that, but that's very true. Yeah, so it is nice. Yeah, it's and really it's also nice. just nice. Like I feel like I've known of you for years. Mm. We've got like friends in common. You know those people that you just see. Yeah, and then it's so nice when you go to then actually knowing them. Yeah, and, and it's also like A B A P. Literally. Bl- all heads toe black. Black I know. is our uniform. We're both in black. We've both got gold hoops on. Oh we've both got our blonde hair up. We are in uniform today. We're like parallel, yeah, some sort of parallel universe of each other, yeah. Yeah, I love it. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks Very so excited much. to have you here. In prep for this, we're obviously talking about like all of the different things that we could cover in terms of like your business journey. Mm-hmm. And if I'm correct in recalling this, it's 15 years in business. Many businesses started, yeah. four of which you've sold. Obviously so many like challenges and lessons and wins and all of the good and bad stuff. I'm sure in every single one of those business yeah. journeys. So first of all, I feel like we could do a whole like Amanda Perry series, which is like, <laughs> tell us about an e-com business, tell us about an agency, tell us about a service space. Yeah. But I guess we thought, didn't we, that we'd maybe use this episode to kind of cover a bit of your business journey, but through the lens of your recent ADHD diagnosis. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, it's funny. There's, uh, there's a Steve Jobs quote that I love, which is, 
you can only join the dots looking backwards. Mm. And I just think it's so true of this because when you're like going through life, particularly in business, it's just one challenge after another, isn't it? You don't really think like, oh my God, I just did this amazing thing, go me. Like maybe I should have a bit of a rest. You're just on to the next thing. And that was my life. I mean, that was my actual life, but even looking at, you know, 15 years in business, 15 years of just trying to do things the right way like in inverted commas you know and I always had this fear through my whole life but particularly in business and I know that this will resonate with so many people I always had this fear that I'd just end up in prison one day through no fault of my own just from like filling out a form wrong or not paying something or and and I didn't I don't know that I even thought, oh, I wonder if anyone else feels like this. It was just such a ever-present feeling for me. I remember telling a friend, like, years and years ago on holiday, mm. I'm sure one day I'm going to end up in prison. Wow. Anyway, let's go back a bit. F quite a few years ago, maybe five or six years ago, a friend said to me, I... Uh, she was kind of an acquaintance at the time and she said I've just had a diagnosis for ADHD and I laughed at her which was awful but no one was talking about it, it was probably even longer maybe like eight years ago or something yeah and I said that's crazy what like what little boys have like naughty little boys and she was like yeah but it's it's not like adult ADHD and she said the reason I'm telling you is because I think you're worse than me <laughs> and I was like wow Oh, okay. Uh, and she she wasn't even a close friend. This is no, but it came from a really really good place. She yeah. didn't she didn't mean worse as in she meant we were on a business accelerator together, a NatWest oh, business okay. accelerator, and she was like, "You you're at this accelerator, and all you're doing is going round everyone, improving their businesses. You're not even working on your own. You're just like coming up with these ideas for everyone else and." You know, she said, you, yeah, it's just it's just a, a kind of key, like, trait is the ideas. Fast forward a couple of years and someone in my family started researching it. And when she started researching it, then I started to take it quite seriously. And I was mm. like, oh, OK, maybe this is a thing. This was still a few years ago. People weren't really talking about it. Got my own diagnosis in 2020. And I think that was the point that I really started to... Going through a diagnosis is a really weird thing because you have this like, oh my God, like someone's just handed me this, the answer to this question I've had my whole life of like, what is it? You know, mm -hmm. what is it? Is it depression? Is it bipolar? Am I this? Am I that? Someone's just told me what I am. It's almost like being given this manual to your life. Mm. So there's this huge like elation, but then you really crash <laughs> because there's this, I'm sure you'll have heard people talk about this like grief and anger and sadness of, mm. you know, what your life could have been or how all that, that like pain and loneliness and kind of angst internal angst like growing up you know it didn't have to be that way yeah which which of course isn't right because we didn't know them we couldn't have changed anything but it's mm. yeah I think that in recent years that's well my whole life that's the biggest 
thing to happen to me and has really started the kind of next phase of my business journey. When you were going through the process of getting diagnosed, and maybe we can mm. speak in a little bit about like practically what that looks like yeah. for anyone that's curious, were you in a way hoping for it to be positive? Like what was that process like for you, I guess, going from okay, you know, I've heard about this, I've maybe got some possibility here that I might have ADHD. I can imagine as you then, you know, book the test, take mm. the test, as you're kind of then awaiting that end result. Yeah. What, what were your feelings in that process? It's a really funny thing because you've kind of been gaslit and you've gaslit yourself your whole life. Mm. You've thought that it can't be that I'm just stupid or or lazy or, you know, whatever it might be. And, and you've kind of internalised that from other people. So there's an element of the, the system in the UK is really, really broken. So your options are wait on for the NHS for what is now up to seven years, I believe. Wow. Local, near me, it's like two to three years on the wait list so you either do that or you go private which is about a thousand pounds which obviously not everyone has access to I went down the private route and I continued to gaslight myself in terms of well of course they're going to tell me I am because I've just paid them I've just like given them a thousand pounds of course they're going to but before yeah. that when I had the actual diagnosis and this is <laughs> I've told a few people this she said to me in the diagnosis, it, she didn't use these words, I can't remember the exact words, but you're one of the most successful worst cases of ADHD I've seen, as in successful as a business person. And she said, because you've set these systems up around you and you have such a great understanding of how you work. Mm. But all I heard was like, I, I've got the worst ADHD. And I was like, yes, you know, it was like, I'm really good at something. Yeah. I've got like the worst ADHD. And uh -huh. it is, it is a bit like that. You're, you know, since I've been posting more and more on Instagram, there is a bit of a like, you know, people trying to out ADHD each other. It's really interesting. There's definitely a real competitive streak to us mm. as as people with ADHD. So yeah, <laughs> I think it's a it's a really complex process, but I just remember that that feeling of like Yes, I'm like the worst. She's so funny, isn't it? <laughs> I had a similar feeling. I remember I was really ill a few years ago on holiday and I just felt awful. I was vomiting the whole flight, oh, no. really bad. Ended up fainting in the hotel. And the doctor was like, you've got the worst tonsillitis I've ever seen. And honestly, in that moment, I was just like, come on. <laughs> She's a winner. <laughs> success in business, success in health. Thank you very much. You're like, can you write that down somewhere? Literally. Can you just say that again and I'll record it? That's going on the testimonials page of my website. <laughs> she is a high achiever in all areas of life. <laughs> but I can totally understand that. And, and what you were saying earlier about, I guess, almost having that moment of relief at diagnosis mm. because so much then makes sense. You know, I've known of clients and friends where, you know, from like a chronic health perspective, actually for them, a diagnosis is really positive yeah. because it's clarity. Yeah. So w when you had that moment of, like you said, kind of realizing actually why a lot of your past feelings or experiences, decisions had been the way they were, mm. when you looked backwards, how did you notice ADHD showing up in your kind of entrepreneurial journey? Oh my God, I mean, everything. I think the key sort of issues in my business or the key failures or suddenly I had an answer to them. My first business failed like really spectacularly. I ended up bankrupt. It was a cupcake mm. business. So like who starts a cupcake business thinking they're going to end up bankrupt, you know? Yeah. And I never really had an answer for anyone about why it failed. 
there was there was like a hundred different reasons that I could that I could talk about, mm. but I never really had that clarity on why it got so chaotic and why it was why the wheels fell off so badly mm. um, until I got that diagnosis and it was just like oh and that doesn't help the people around you you know it's kind of too late but it gives you some answers and some clarity also helps you see your strength and your power like I've always thought I've always known I was you know had a million ideas a minute and was very like fast to action things and which is part of my frustration about working with people because I just feel like I'm you know I can get get things done so quickly and it frustrates me when other people can't um so yeah there's there's the positives and the negatives that kind Mm. of come back but yeah those those key um issues like roadblocks that come up to time and time again around always around the detail classic ADHD it's Mm. you know the numbers the planning the I'm good at planning but I'm not good at then seeing the plan through and so therefore I'm bad at holding other people accountable to seeing a plan through because for me it's like going back to that detail yeah so yeah anything around that you you know anything around the kind of neurotypical traditional ways of doing business which is why I'm so passionate about building these brain first businesses where Mm. you know we we have to change the conversation around business and neurodiversity neurodivergent people have got so much to offer business and to offer Mm. the economy and the world and yet we're seen as because we don't conform to the neurotypical models of of business because there's certain things that we just can't do. ADHD, um, ASD, autism, it is a disability. It's a mental disability. And the same way you wouldn't ask someone in a wheelchair to run up a set of stairs, you cannot expect a neurodivergent founder to operate in the same way as a neurotypical founder. And it's interesting you said in there, kind of the, the the negatives the way that it's created challenges but also the way it's kind of been I know this phrase sometimes gets a bit of hate but like almost like a bit of a superpower yeah. like something that actually really helps you in business I think let's come back to the challenges and kind of what your tips mm. would be for that in a second I'm just interested do you think you would be a business owner if you didn't have ADHD because a, a lot of those things you were talking about there around like big on ideas and vision and quick mm. to action I'd imagine within that there's also a kind of ability to take risks not overthinking things too much because there's not as much thought around the detail obviously no that has its um, negative implications as a mindset but you must credit a lot of that to actually your success yeah 100 percent, definitely I think you know when you look at what when I talk about ADHD in business on Instagram for example so many people get in touch and say I'm pretty sure I'm not ADHD, but I just relate to so much that you're saying. And so it is kind of the founder mindset, isn't it? You know, there's 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 obviously things that are particular to people with ADHD, but I I could start 10 businesses in a week. You know, I could get 10 businesses off the ground. I couldn't be the one to Mm. then make sure that the day-to-day running of them was, you know, operationally sound. I'm not an operator. I'm a strategist. I'm a visionary. You know, I'm the visionary. Mm. I need the implementer there to kind of 
do the the detail stuff but yeah. yeah i mean one of my earliest memories was doing a jumble sale with my mum in like i must have been about four so like 1982 and way before anyone was charging for plastic bags and i was charging everyone <laughs> 10p for Love these it. carrier bags and my mum found out and went absolutely crazy at me but yeah i, I always had that kind of spark i guess mm. um yeah who knows so interesting yeah. i'd love to do like a worldwide poll of all business owners yeah and almost see you know how many people with adhd do end up running businesses yeah because of like you said that kind of natural inclination to having ideas taking action i think there's another side to it as well though that employment is you know the, the it's the old thing about i'm unemployable well, yeah. a lot of us are unemployable because sitting in an office for eight hours isn't realistic. Uh, you know, adhering to some arbitrary rules that some business has come up with isn't really realistic. Mm-hmm. Until very, very recently, people weren't even aware that they would have to make accommodations. And still now people, you know, aren't. they might say that they do and they might kind of ask it in a survey. But um, it's really difficult for neuro divergent people to to hold down traditional employment Mm. so I think that some kind of self-employment is is the way to go and the last numbers I read was like 50% of founders are somewhere on the neurodivergent spectrum wow yeah that's really interesting yeah and it it must be for you, especially now you're sharing a lot more about your own journey online. Yeah. You're just meeting so many different people who I'm sure you think, oh gosh, if I'd have only known this five years ago. Yeah, <laughs> I put a post out a while ago saying something like, isn't it funny that we've spent our whole lives thinking we were the only ones that felt like this Mm. and all the time there was millions of other people also thinking they were the only ones that felt like this it's almost Mm. like you know you've had this like silent sort of population of people that have just been trying to squeeze themselves into a neurotypical world and it's just I just it just makes so much sense once you understand how how people operate differently I think yeah and you mentioned earlier some of the kind of challenges that ADHD presented to you kind of throughout each of your different businesses you know you said things like feeling lonely feeling depressed Mm. can you talk a bit more about that side of it I guess maybe at the time of course you didn't understand perhaps where those feelings came from but what were some of those kind of harder times that your ADHD maybe played a role in one of the key negatives for me with ADHD is something called RSD, which is rejection sensitivity dysphoria. Mm-hmm. And it's not just about, oh, I don't want someone to say no, or, you know, it's a very real, it's, it's dysphoria, like any rejection, whether it's perceived or real. Yeah. And, and that is something that we're faced with daily in business, online, mm-hmm. You know, and and so many people experience this with ADHD. It's like a huge um, kind of, uh, yeah, trait of AD- that goes with ADHD. And I think that is, if I had to pinpoint one thing, I think that would be the thing that I've struggled with most. I remember when I had my, I had a baking kit subscription business and getting through an email that someone wanted to cancel their box would like, 
if it was at a week on a weekend it would just ruin my weekend i would wow. just and it's like it sounds so stupid i know it does but it's, no, a, I get it's it. a physical pain it's a real physical pain mm. and so in businesses where there's been a lot of people involved and the dynamics there have been difficult that has been mm. when i got diagnosed in 2020 i had my marketing agency and there was a team of at the time probably about 30 35 of us um and I really quickly realised that that was just completely the wrong environment for me to mm. be in. It had kind of grown to that size, A, because of lockdown, but B, just because we were just taking the opportunities. We were growing, taking the clients, hiring the staff, taking the clients, hiring the staff. Yeah. And then I got my diagnosis, started to find out more about it, started to understand more about myself. And you get this level of, I don't know if it's like, forgiveness or self-acceptance or whatever it is that you think what am I doing mm. what have I done for the last 13 years you know where I've just thought no I d all I have to do is work a bit harder or all like or this is just part of business you yeah. know like spending your weekends not leaving the house because you're like tearing your hair out or just can't face seeing people oh it must just be part of business mm. and then you think it doesn't have to be like this it just doesn't have to someone just um asked me in my stories about oh they said this niche your niche is so interesting how did you come up with it and I was like oh wow like what a strange question I'm just talking about something that I just feel so strongly that we have to change the conversation around this because yeah. there's so many people in the same position as me mm. like millions yeah. hundreds of thousands certainly and I can totally understand I mean even as someone who isn't diagnosed with ADHD like rejection people not being happy with you even sensing that maybe someone doesn't yeah. like you it's crippling and yeah. I, so I can't even imagine what that looks like on a on a bigger scale yeah. especially when like you said like business is constant rejection mm. whether it's you know you put something online and it didn't get the reaction you thought mm. that feels like rejection yeah. or pitching for something or, or trying to get a client and you don't you know it doesn't go through or like you said even like those tiny interactions where you think oh does that team member are they annoyed yeah. at me if I done something the wrong? perceived rejection the you know, sending a DM and not getting a response or yeah. sending a WhatsApp and seeing the two little blue ticks and not getting a response. And, you know, people are bit like, we do it to people, you do it to your best friends, mm. don't you? Read a message and then get busy and go, oh God, sorry. I, th I thought I replied to this in my head. Like I replied to yeah. this in my head. That's us when we WhatsApp each other all the time. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, it's been a month. <laughs> Hiya. But it's true, isn't it? And you, yeah. can, you make up these stories in your head and I think anyone does. But where RSD comes into it is that it can just send you into... The only way I can... I was talking to my mum about it the other day and I said the only way I can describe it is... Do you remember that game that you used to play at kids' parties where you'd stand with your head on a broomstick and run round and round? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you had to like walk to a certain point in the room. And you spin round and round and then you stand up. And you just like... You just can't see, it's just completely all consuming in that way. Mm. There's and, and it feels like once it happens once, then you just kind of get battered with it again and again and again. And it's just, it's, it's really, really difficult to explain without just sounding like, 
you know you're a snowflake i guess mm. and that you you know oh don't I don't, don't I don't want rejection don't be nasty but it's yeah. it's a very it's a very serious mm. um part of adhd for mm. many founders yeah gosh appreciate you sharing that i can mm. imagine that's a lot so what for you has changed since having your diagnosis because you've talked about these kind of first few moments maybe a bit of relief bit of kind of clarity when you look back you're almost saying within there maybe a little bit of kind of grace for yourself of like mm. oh okay like you said it, it's not I'm not the problem like yeah like you said I don't just need to work harder like yeah. okay maybe there's some changes here what for you has changed since you've been diagnosed with ADHD I guess I on a practical like level you're not running that agency yeah, anymore <laughs> I feel like everything's changed yeah. I've sold the agency I have I think that there's a real tendency for people with ADHD to go through the issues that we all go through in business. And I know I've had so many common co conversations where I'll say, I can see that I'm the common denominator here, mm. you know, and you, you believe that you're responsible. You are responsible. It's your business. You believe that you're always at fault. Yeah. I think it's part of the ADHD condition that you've been brought up to believe that you're, you know, always at fault or, you know, you're you're kind of the butt of jokes or whatever it might be. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a huge amount of forgiveness there. There's a huge amount of understanding of situations that I could have handled better or that, that should have been handled better, mm. not by me. Yeah, I can imagine there's a lot of kind of, is self-actualization the right word? Maybe, but almost like accountability that yeah. comes with having a realization like that. You almost look back through a totally new lens and yeah. go, oh, okay, that happened because of my ADHD. I did the best I could at the time, yeah. but here's now how I would see that or yeah. approach. And that, that must be like, you know, that's not a one moment. That must be hours of yeah. reflecting, talking, so journaling, and just almost like, it's like you're regurgitating your whole life experience yeah. but through this totally new lens. Yeah, and I'm really lucky because I have several members of my family who've also be been diagnosed. Oh, interesting. So we have almost an ongoing conversation of like, it's almost like a therapy WhatsApp chat, <laughs> group chat where I we're like, that. I did this today. Have you ever thought about how, you know, and we can discuss that. So that is, I feel really, really fortunate with that because... I speak to people every day where they yeah. just they just don't have that but mm. there's just no one to listen to them um they don't have family or their family don't understand what they're going through and you know they the this kind of uh gaslighting continues of oh don't be silly you know you just you're just lazy or you're just yeah. a bit a bit this or a bit flaky or whatever mm. so I think I've I've been really really fortunate to have yeah people that are going through they're not in business so it's different but mm. you know they they have their own experiences that's really interesting is ADHD genetic yeah oh okay there are people that so there's a professor called um Gabor Matt, Matty, mate, something like that. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> M-A-T-E, <laughs> who believes it isn't, who believes it's trauma-induced. Mm. Um, it's highly controversial. Most scientific studies believe that it is genetic, which is interesting when a lot of psychotherapists who would diagnose ADHD would say, if I make a diagnosis, the next person I'm looking at is, is the parent's. 
like That's interesting is is it there which side did it come from and and then you've got the coexistence of if you've got ADHD you're 61% more likely to also have autism or some form of ASD which is a whole other conversation and a whole other sort of controversy and discussion around autism seems is just a whole other conversation where people are a lot of people who have ADHD don't realize that there's also some level of ASD autism mm. there and that's yeah a whole other box of frogs yeah i can imagine you just keep digging i know <laughs> i know you're like oh my god i do that i yeah. do that it's like yeah. how much self-awareness do you want <laughs> yeah yeah that's enough now yeah cool. we'll, we'll i'm just gonna get on with my life yeah one diagnosis <laughs> we'll run with that see, yeah. see where that takes yeah. us <laughs> so talking a bit more about the kind of practical stuff you know you talk a lot online and in the work you do about building a, a brain first business yeah. which i think is so cool by the way love that <laughs> name you. um i'm guessing that's kind of a culmination of looking back a lot of those kind of structures and tools that you were using without even realizing yeah. that you were using them to help with your undiagnosed adhd and i'm sure as well a lot of things that you've realized and learned since your diagnosis mm. just as a start point what does it mean for you to create a brain first business it means literally to create a business that is built around your brain which i actually believe i mean everyone should have really shouldn't they like mm. everyone should have a business but the fact is that neurotypical people traditionally in business we would start from you know i want to hit this milestone or i want to achieve this revenue goal mm. so that i can exit in three years for this valuation or you know these are the i know not necessarily in small business but in in broader business these are the models that we're working to yeah and we have our forecasts and we have our financial models and all that kind of thing that doesn't work for neurodivergent people mm. and that's not to say they can't do that there, there'll be hundreds and thousands of neurodivergent founders that have built really successful businesses and have gone on to exit and have had the right team around them but what i'm realizing from the conversations i'm having and my own experience is that i don't want a team i don't want a big team i don't want to build a big team ever again she says <laughs> see you in three years Amanda for the next episode <laughs> she's built another agency <laughs> I, I really really don't yeah and I think build building a brain first business for me is fundamentally about understanding your strengths mm. and your weaknesses also understand your weaknesses but really understanding your strengths and I think the thing is that so many people are in the position that I was in where you build a business like pre-diagnosis and you carry on like squeezing your square peg into a neurotypical round hole. Mm. Then you get your diagnosis and everything changes, like your whole world changes, but your business doesn't. Your business just carries on. Yeah. Oh God, okay, yeah, I need to, you know, plan this and do this and, and look at these numbers and blah, blah, blah. And, and yeah, we can outsource and we can do all of that stuff, but the fundamental business mm. doesn't change. And for me, it's not about, it's not even about doing what I did and, you know, selling up and starting again. It's about making sure that the business that you have works for your brain. Like, it's as simple as that. It's just, like, for me, the top and bottom of it is 
making sure that you can run your business in a way that leaves you enough energy to live your life mm. because that's what we don't have and it's incredible how easily that gets lost yeah. or forgotten um I think for those who are neurotypical or, or neurodiverse, yeah. Yeah. that makes me think of actually one of the phrases I say a lot when I'm talking to clients and students about goal setting is finding a way of setting goals and planning that works with your human nature, not against it. Because yeah. I notice so often, like you said, we're, we're trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. We're following a system because that's what that person on Instagram uses yeah. and their notion board's really cool. All that or that £27 download that yeah. you just got. Yeah, or, yeah. or that some you know person that you listen to on a podcast says you have to do this to make yeah. six figures you know yeah. whatever the recent bull crap is that they're spreading <laughs> <laughs> and you go okay I need to do it that way yeah. whereas I find it fascinating I look at my friends and clients who are running insanely successful businesses mm. and what they've all done so well is use self-awareness yeah. to find a way of running their business that works for them because yeah. they've realized it's not about running a business in a shiny tick boxy cool looking way actually that's a load of crap doesn't yeah. make a difference mm -hmm. as long as they're planning in a way that works for them yeah it works like even for me like i'm a you know marketing expert whatever you want to say i content plan using a post-it note at the start of the week that i then stick on my laptop yeah exactly. and it's like the process doesn't need to be perfect the process just needs to work that doesn't even have to be a process for everything does there so mm. many people say to me how do you plan? Like, I can't plan. I just had it on my stories then. I was on the way here. I've replied to some of them. I was like, well, do you need to? Mm. You know, I mentioned on Instagram a couple of weeks ago about, it, like, I raw dog my businesses. Like, I really do. <laughs> <What> I <phrase>? <laughs> <laughs> there, there, is, there is no master plan. There's like, yeah. you know, uh, 90 days I'd like to achieve this. Very broad outline. 60, therefore, 60 days I need to be at this point. 30 days here. It's only really the next week, maybe two weeks mm. I have planned out. Against that bigger goal, you have to know where you're going, don't you? But I Completely. don't... People really kind of hem themselves into these boxes of I have to I have to have a plan I have to you know understand I was talking to someone the other day that was saying I can't remember who it was they were saying that they were working with this big company mm. and they have like these three-year marketing plans you know everything's like really drilled down for these like partnerships and marketing plans for the next yeah. three years and I was just like, I just wanted to run away. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, no, how, like, I no, yeah. I can't even, how do you do that? How do you even know, like, where you're going to be in three years? Yeah. And it's, it's, yeah, uh, there's, there's just, there's a lot. I spend a lot of my time thinking about how, how are the businesses run? Mm. And like, I often think about these big businesses and think, like, no one really cares, do they? They're just getting paid to do a job. Like, does mm. anyone really care? Like, this marketing plan is just gonna... They're gonna go off and do another job. Someone will come in and, like, change this plan. Mm. Not not all of it. Obviously, the, the crux of it will stay the same. But, yeah, I just... I, I don't think that we have to bring those models into all of our businesses. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that's part of the beauty of building businesses where it's a company of one yeah is you kind of just get to as, as long as it helps you yeah it works yeah. I totally get when you've got investors and team and like fair enough that's where there needs to be a level of planning but you know I've I'm exactly the same as you like I kind of know the long-term vision as in like 
ish vaguely who really knows yeah. but what i know is like like you said the next quarter right yeah. roughly where do we want to be in the next three yeah. months and then yeah it's only the next few weeks that you can really see that clearly and that's as someone who's neurotypical so i yeah. didn't even know if that approach of like you said years in advance really works for anyone especially because part of what makes a business successful is your ability to adapt and innovate yeah which you can't do that if you've got a three-year rigid plan no i agree and and also taking opportunities as they come up like yeah. partnerships or collaborations or i mean on a, i don't mean just like social media posts i mean on a kind of bigger scale if mm -hmm. you've got this very rigid plan mm -hmm. um so yeah for me building a brain first business is mm. is really important for neurodivergent I, I think it's important for everyone but really mm -hmm. important for neurodivergent people because you know one of your key sort of it, it's about finding your rules of growth like if you know that one of your key rules is that you can only really work three days a week you have to have I put a post out of the weekend about does everyone find weekends hard and they were like oh my god yeah I need you know a good four days I need a day for my meltdowns a day for like <laughs> doing the getting the washing done a day for seeing people and then a, a day to recover and that's like they were joking you know there was some emojis there but it, it's kind of right like yeah. we kind of do have to plan our week out a bit differently and I think until we accept that and we as a collective accept that, not just we as neurodivergence, because, mm. you know, otherwise you're going to continue getting this, oh, well, they, you know, why are they only working that way? And, and that's what we have the, the beauty of when we run mm. our own business, isn't it? We take the risk and, you know, we can do it our own way. Mm. What are some of your biggest tips for running your business in a way that works with your ADHD. I appreciate it probably shows up differently for everyone. So I'm not saying these have to be like, you know, Amanda's golden rules for <laughs> everyone with an ADHD diagnosis. But I guess for you personally, what are some of the really practical things that since your diagnosis you've kind of implemented? Some of the most effective things that I've implemented are the most simplest things. So mm. calendly rules like are just my best friends. So I used to just have my calendar open. Anyone mm. could book any time. It's terrifying. I know. I know. Well, and, and because I had a team, it would get booked up with meetings about meetings and, you know, things yeah. that I just I just couldn't bear. So no one can book in on a Monday or Friday now. And that gives me those days to either set my week up and wrap my week up or take some extra time out if I need to. Mm. So client calls were all booked in on a, th on a Wednesday and Thursday. Also changing like the narrative for me about what work really is. I'm, I don't wanna get too woo. Do you believe in human design? I'm curious. Okay. I'm curious. So I'm a projector in my human design. Okay. Which means that I am here to like be, not do. <laughs> which sounds Can amazing. Can I be a projector? <laughs> I like the sound of that. <laughs> but trying to implement that, I, I don't know a lot about it, but trying to implement that into my work of like, what does that really look like? Because mm. actually that really resonates with me. Like it's the doing that exhausts me and it's the doing that leads to burnout. Okay. So how can I just be a bit more? And that looks, for me, that looks like starting up my podcast again, growing my audience, like doing more media stuff that I can be in control of mm. rather than like one-to-one -one heavy stuff gotcha so the one-to-one -one heavy stuff kind of stays there as uh you know 
a, a kind of premium product and and I don't have a lot of time for it. And the rest is like group training or media or, you know, um, mm. growing like Grow Plus and stuff like that. Yeah. So for me, it's very much about questioning the way that you've done business and seeing how you can yeah how you can make that model work for you because I think we just it's really easy to think that it has to be done a certain way if you were to go back to the year 15 years ago oh my god like I'm curious like would you would you tell the you of then you know get diagnosed and make these changes or would you give plus you a certain piece of advice I know oh. the whole like you know you can't change anything because you wouldn't be where you are now blah, blah blah but I'm interested oh I feel a bit emotional thinking about that so much has happened over that time that so much almost irreversible stuff has mm. happened that that wouldn't have happened if I'd have known. So, yeah, I mean, I, absolutely, I would tell her to get a diagnosis, but it's just one of the one of the saddest things is just looking at the way you've treated yourself. Mm. You know, the way that I've just put myself last for all of those 15 years like business has always come first and it's always been this sense of once this happens we'll be out of the woods once this happens we'll be all right once we'll just get over this mark particularly in my first business it was so I mean it was just ridiculous we were turning over a million pounds a year on cupcakes it was like ridiculous I had seven shops 100 staff I was in the local shopping center it was like and this was in 2007 to like 2014. It was kind yeah. of before there was a there wasn't a lot of food businesses in the way there yeah. are now, you know, kind of independence. So you didn't have network, there's no kind of education out there. No. You know, not like now. It's like as a as a founder you are almost you have too much yeah, <laughs> exactly. education and support. Yeah, and like LinkedIn. I mean LinkedIn was around, but it wasn't the same as it was then. There wasn't the kind of Facebook groups where you could ask people questions and stuff yeah so I made so many mistakes but I also had a team around me that I really trusted like a really good team of advisors yeah. and you know when it all goes wrong and you kind of look around like guys <laughs> like where is everyone you know yeah. this is like really not what, what was meant to happen so yeah I would tell her to get a diagnosis but then you can't can you you know if I'd have done that that would have changed the whole trajectory I often look back and think while I would never recommend bankruptcy to anyone and it was a horrible thing to go through and I'd never say I was glad I went through it I'm also really glad I don't have that business anymore it was so hard it was so, well I just think what was I doing we were yeah. like had a bakery in the shops and the bakery team and then the shop team and you know we were manufacturing marketing selling like the whole the whole thing it was an operational nightmare and there's me with ADHD just like going I didn't like do what you want I don't know I like, just started this because I like make cupcakes. more <laughs> make more you know yeah. just make more cakes like it it's just yeah and it's not easy I speak to a lot mm. of founders and I just I see a lot of myself in them and I think it's really tough for the people around you, really tough, whether yeah. that's in personal personal life or business. Mm. And that must be a lot to hold, of almost in one hand that kind of grief for your past self and past experiences, but in the other, like, a real gratitude for 
what has happened yeah. in the years up to your diagnosis and what that's created for you and the life that you've got yeah. and kind of you know is that thing of like two truths can exist can't yeah. it? it's not as black and white as like exactly yeah i would <coughs> do that or i wouldn't yeah yeah, yeah. no i i really believe that i really believe that two things are possible at the same time aren't mm. they and I do think, you know, I feel really positive about the future. I'm really excited about what's to come. Like, we're, you know, we're adopting as well as all this going on. Like, it's just a lot of stuff going on, a lot of uncertainty in my life. But mm. I don't know. I was going to say I wouldn't change anything. Would I? I mean, you can't, can you? Yeah. So I guess the answer is I wouldn't. But would I? Maybe. Yeah, maybe I would. So as you share online now a lot more about your own journey with ADHD and I think starting some really valuable and thought-provoking conversations mm. you know that's had an incredible response like you've had amazing like growth on Instagram yeah. in the last few weeks which like judging how everyone's talking about Instagram is is hard to come by yeah. I can see so many people resonating and saying you, you know I'm sure for so many people you're being pivotal in their own mm. journey which is incredible I can also imagine just because I know what the internet is like there's also people that aren't enjoying that conversation mm. and do have an opinion that's you know what not what we would want how do you I guess as a start point like what is the negative reaction to kind of you sharing more of your ADHD experience and starting those conversations and then what's your kind of take on that? Yeah it's really interesting I think I probably started sharing more about ADHD a, a couple of months ago I would say. Mm. So it's not been long? No it's not at all and the reason for that is you know when I had a team and I had the agency I had I had the responsibility of growing that business and and you know paying everyone's wages and mm. you can't just kind of go off on these risky tangents can you? And now it is just me. I can talk about what I want and this is what I want to talk about. There was, in the beginning, there was, there seemed to be a lot more in the beginning, actually, a couple mm. of months ago, of people who, A, just really wanted to, like, out ADHD you and kind of know more about the topic. And I feel like I post from a very, I don't post from a, these are facts about ADHD. I post from a like, I I recognise this in my business, do you? Yes. You know, it's a discussion point. It's not, it's very much personal experience. I'm not, you know, a, a qualified doctor. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> well, I wouldn't be surprised if you decided to add that to your... Uh, oh, maybe I will. <laughs> in the evenings. Um, but, you know, I'm not. I'm not yeah. here to, like, talk facts i'm here to talk personal experience and open the open and change the conversation so i'm this is going to really offend some people but i found that people were really split into two camps and as soon as i saw an anime profile picture i knew i was in trouble for some <laughs> reason those anime profile pictures are the ones who like People really misunderstood that I was talking and probably because I, ju I just started talking about it. So they wanted to conflate what I was saying about AD how ADHD shows up in business mm. with the, the whole ADHD experience. That's not my experience or I don't have that or mine's. Oh, there was the first post that really went kind of viral. It's on nearly half a million reach was um, being ADHD isn't hard. And it went on to say like, living in a neurotypical world is hard and being expected to sit at a desk for eight hours is hard. And 
you know, um, being expected to live by neurotypical rules in business is hard. That was the message of the post. Yeah. Like you can't cover every aspect of a conversation in one post, can you? But, Mm -mm. but that one really triggered people. And I get it. Like a people were triggered because I said being ADHD, which I believe is correct. I say Mm. I, I'm ADHD. Whereas a lot of people say, I have ADHD. It's just how you choose to identify. So there was a whole thing about that. Then there was a whole thing about how hard it is and blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, you just can't cover every nuance in one post. So after that post, I really, my content now, I try and make it much, much clearer that it's about business, it's personal experience. Mm. And I feel like that's worked. It's kind of really calmed down. The bit that I do find hard and I'm really conflicted on because I also love it and really appreciate it is the very, because of the nature of the conversation and people who are newly diagnosed maybe don't feel ready to kind of talk about it publicly. So rather than leaving a little comment, they'll send me a DM Mm. in response to it, which is is so lovely but it's often very like very personal quite heavy very long messages full of you know their trauma and their experience and it's that I find really hard to manage because Mm. I'd love to answer every single one of them with a similar length and a similar thought but I mean Mm. it's just not possible it's just not no and I don't think that's something I can actually just speak for myself or I don't know about other people, but for me at least, I think about, okay, I'm ready to discuss that topic. Maybe it's a challenge that I went through or just a topic that's a bit taboo and I'm like, okay, I feel ready. Yeah. And I often make the mistake of I'm ready to talk about it, mm. but I'm not ready for people to mirror back their versions of yeah. it. I even had it really, you know, smaller example. I spoke recently on the podcast about my story uh, experiences of going VAT registered and how yeah, it was just yeah. like, a bit of a shit show for the business um <laughs> that happened almost a year ago so I feel yeah. fine about it I was okay with everyone sending me their stuff but it has been like you said very long dms or yeah. voice notes which like you know I don't want to sound like I'm complaining because community is incredible yeah. and I you know the me of years ago dreamed of people dming me so yeah. like it's, yeah. it's so nice but you're right it's heavy and yeah. it's it's hard isn't it of like how I don't know how you do draw that boundary of like Technically, if you're putting content out there to start the conversation, can you then set a boundary of how people choose to continue it? Yeah. Um, And it's also, and on the same vein, like me getting upset or, or kind of rolling my eyes at people disagreeing with me I can't I can't be the arbiter of truth can I I can't Mm -hmm. be like my experience is my experience and you know people and I and it's the way they disagree isn't it you know if people start like swearing or just being really dismissive or they're dismissive to other people in the comments I'll just Mm. block them straight away but it is hard I've I've spoken to you know various kind of advocates before and talk to them about where do you draw the line because it's is it work is it personal do you do you switch off at five do you like Mm. not answer them in the evenings and I'm very aware these are people with RSD I don't want them to see that I've read the message and (laughs) not go back to them and equally, I don't want to go back to them with um, an emoji. Yeah, or just <laughs> or like the like, little double tap heart. Exactly. <laughs> it's it, That is a really tricky part. And it's hard to talk about as well because 
I don't want people, when I have talked about it on stories, I've got more messages of people saying, oh my God, I'm so sorry, I shouldn't have messaged you. And that's not the point. It's more yeah. about how I don't know how to deal with it. I need to work out how to deal with it. Slightly linking to that, kind of people's reactions to your to you having ADHD and talking about it. When you were diagnosed, did you kind of tell everyone in your life quickly? Did it take you a bit of time to kind of bring that took information me, out? It took me a year to talk about it online. Wow. A year, and, and you, it's a really good question. One of the things that makes me shudder mm. is when I see people posting online, I got diagnosed with ADHD this morning, and I just think, I mean, it's personal choice, you do you, but I just think there's like so, it's such a process, like there's so much more mm. to come, and you know, once you've put that out there, you can't take it back, and it, it can impact so much, so... Yeah, it took me a year. I told, obviously, told my family straight away, the the close people in my team straight away and the wider team. It took me a, a few weeks to kind of get get prepared for that um, for the same reason. Because mm. once it's out there and, and you do think, what does this mean? You know, what will people think and how will they react? And I mean, there's a few people, you always get the like, oh, well, if you need a label, you know, you mm. always get that kind of thing. And I often find the people that say that are the ones that probably need a few labels themselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> But no, no, I, I wrote, a, wrote a blog post actually when I sort of came out, which seems so dramatic <laughs> now, but it was like... It feels big at the time though, doesn't it? Was it was huge like and no, people weren't really talking about this. It, mm. was, it was, I don't know, 18 months ago, people weren't talking about it like they are now. So I wrote a blog post and it was really nice because loads of, you know, when you put something out online and you kind of just think about your audience don't you like your business audience yeah and loads of people were messaging me like old school friends and old people that I'd worked with or been in business with or just friends yeah. that aren't business friends um or f or aren't friends that I see all the time messaging saying things like that was so well written you know mm -hmm. not even making a huge deal of what it was just saying like I really enjoy reading that thank you for sharing it Aww. or yeah, it was a really, it was quite an overwhelming experience. But um, yeah, it does feel a bit dramatic looking back on it. <laughs> I think my post was something like, <laughs> there's something I need to tell you. Ooh, she went with <laughs> dot, that dot, line. Dot, dot, <laughs> dot. I feel like that, that intro always goes one of two ways. Like it's either actually something big, oh like an ADHD diagnosis. Yeah. But you know, sometimes people are just using it as a hook and it's like, like, there's something I need to tell I'm you. I'm now dot, on dot. LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> or like, Instagram stories don't have as much reach as usual. <laughs> You're like, brilliant. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, you should so have true. like an ADHD birthday. Should like celebrate yes. it every year. If it's something you want to celebrate. Yeah. But. When was, I can't even, it was like the end of, I think it was sort of October time, October 2020. Okay. So you've got some planning for your third birthday yeah, of ADHD. birthday. <laughs> it's crazy. It's such a huge thing. And I do think maybe there's a danger in us normalising the conversation because it is like, oh, okay, cool. Oh, she's got ADHD. She's, oh, she's got ADHD too. And it's like, I don't know. Maybe that's why we talk about it all the time because to mm. us it's just, well, not everyone talks about it all the time, but I talk about it a lot. 
you know, even in my 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 poor husband, like he's just honestly, he's like some sort of saint. He's just like <laughs> just listens to me go on and on because every day is like just a new revelation and the more research there mm. is and the more people that are diagnosed and the more people that are talking about their experience and the more accepted it is mm. the more you understand yourself and understand you know and and as you said earlier there's times when I'm like oh my god like when I used to do that and yeah. you know that's ADHD and yeah, it's a it's a crazy mm. it's a crazy ride. Well, it's funny you bring up your husband because that was going to be my uh, next couple of questions is around you know the the, the people that are around those mm. with ADHD. Mm. Um, do you know the stats of like what percentage of the population have ADHD? I think it's about they used to say it's one in seven, but now they're saying it's like one in five. But I honestly wow. think it's more like three four maybe so chances are in business and personal life we're all interacting yeah. with people either diagnosed or not with adhd yeah. for friends family members mm. partners how can we support those around us in a personal setting who are either kind of going through the process of being diagnosed or who have adhd because mm. i'm sure that was you know if you use your husband as the example if you're comfortable with that you know i'm sure that was a massive moment yeah. for your relationship as well as for you personally because so many years of experiences and, yeah. and your dynamic then also shifted yeah it's just you I was just listening to a podcast on the way down actually about mm. how you know being raised by undiagnosed parents impacts your the way you are as a person or you know in these families where there's a lot of ADHD or autism present and people say this a lot they say no no that's just that's just us like that's just how we are no it's not it's actually autism or it's actually yeah, ADHD it's like, oh that's just the perries that's just yeah what we're like. exactly that's just how we are we just do that mm, no actually it's not <laughs> okay this is a really serious topic and I want to give it the the credit is due because there's so many different sides to this someone went viral recently on TikTok talking about this and she was saying that for people around neurodivergent people it can often look like emotional abuse because there's shutdowns you know there's times when you're just particularly with autism where you're just non-verbal you just you can't communicate it looks mm. like shutting someone out or the meltdowns which occur with ADHD and ASD where you're just kind of an absolute emotional wreck you know and it's really difficult to let anyone in mm. all the rejection sensitivity dysphoria so a lot of the a lot of the external behaviors can look like she used the term emotional abuse which is why it went viral because a lot of people were saying that she was like i think they were saying she was victim blaming saying that it's okay because they're neurodivergent and which mm. is where she was explaining where the, the disability aspect of it comes in. I think on a really practical level, opening the conversation and allowing people to be open about it mm. and then just really understanding. One of the examples they used on this podcast I was listening to, so there was two of them. One had ADHD, one didn't, and they're in business together. Yeah. And she was saying, the woman with ADHD was saying that she has, there's a word for it, I can't remember it, she has this phobia of hearing people eat. Mm. So the one who didn't have ADHD said that she just puts herself on mute now if they're on Zoom and 
she's having a lunch. I don't know how that works. I don't know why you'd be on Zoom having your lunch. But, but regardless. <laughs> yeah, regardless. And the woman with ADHD was saying that she almost cried when she did it because it was so simple mm-hmm. and she didn't begrudge her for doing it. It wasn't this huge like, oh, well, I'll... How well I won't eat then, or you know, I'll just put my. She said it was just really simple and really accepting. And the woman without ADHD was saying, "What you're actually saying to me is that you'll accept." Can I swear? Yeah. You'll accept the bare fucking minimum. She said, "Like that is the bare minimum someone should do for you." And it's mm. not about I'm neurodivergent. Like you need to you need to work around me. It's not about that, is it? Yeah. It's about like. How can we coexist better? Like, how can I not have a meltdown that means I can't communicate with people for 12 hours or, Mm. you know, I'm so burnt out from work, I can't even bear to look at my phone or, you know, whatever the situation might be or Mm. or really tiny things like that. How can we... um, For me, I think it's just about normalising the conversation and allowing the people around you to to express their accommodations. No, that's so good. I mean, so much stuff comes down to communication, doesn't it? Yeah. Of if you just allow the conversation to be open, and like you said, as the, as the person who is neurotypical, go into it with a, an open mind. And that's the key because we we have grown up or or live with such a fear of judgment one of the questions mm. i had on an instagram story was should i tell my boss if i should i tell my boss i've got adhd and i was like yes but mm. like here's the caveat you know how will they respond and then and then if they do respond in a certain way or if they won't meet your accommodations is it the right job for you because mm. that's you know we have that choice as well so I don't think that we're... It's a whole other conversation, isn't it? I don't, yeah. I don't think that the world needs to mould around our accommodations, but I think on a micro level of, you know, me and you as friends going out for dinner and you saying, are you all right in this restaurant because it's quite loud? And mm-hmm. I know that, you know, is or is there anything I need to be aware of? Is like, like means the world, you know? And, and that's... That is the bare fucking minimum, isn't mm. it? And it's sometimes just giving the space for the people to say what they need. Yeah. You know, we're not mind readers. No. And it's great for us all to become more educated on what kind of the typical accommodations would be so that people don't have to speak up for themselves. Yeah. But it, it can just be as simple as just asking the question. Yeah. Like I've got it on my client intake forms and all my student yeah. questionnaires. There's Perfect. just space for people to share. Like, is there anything for me to be aware of? Sometimes it's that they're neurodiverse, but sometimes it's just like, oh, I really struggle without a deadline. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, great. Well, I'm not I, good in the morning. Yeah, I know or, that yeah. that client always needs a deadline for their action steps. Yeah. Or they might say, oh, I actually really struggle with, with WhatsApp. So I go, cool, I'll just email you instead. Yeah. Like, it's for everyone. Just yeah, asking the question of like, how can we communicate and work or just interact in a way that's going to help you? Mm gives people that space which kind of leads into the last question I wanted to ask which was for the business owners listening she says as if not everyone listening is a business owner <laughs> so uh, everyone then <laughs> for all of us who are working with those that are neurodiverse mm. or who have ADHD will be more specific here you know whether it's you know I've got team members who have got ADHD I don't think they'll mind me saying that I've got clients who have got ADHD yeah. aside from what I just shared of just almost asking the question and creating space what are some of the like 
common things for us to be aware of when kind of working with other founders or, or people that have got ADHD? I think everyone's experience is, is different, but there are commonalities. So like energy is a big one, you know, mm. we're not great at having neurotypical energy for eight hours a day. We we work we tend to work in very um short, sharp blasts. So mm. I could get a day's work done in, you know, two hours. Yeah. But then because I'm still conditioned in the neurotypical way I'll still think oh great I've got another seven hours now to do more work and that's where burnout comes yeah I think the the importance about opening up the conversation is the trust so that people have the Mm. trust in you that not only are you opening up the conversation but when they then tell you their accommodations they can trust you to either meet them or discuss them with them you know find some kind of way that works for both of you so yeah I I would say energy's a big one like location is massive like do Mm. I have to do I really have to be in the office because there'll be some days I'd love to be in the office but then some days where you know maybe my sensitivities are are heightened and you know I just don't really want to be around people Mm. um also another thing that plays massively into it is as women is your cycle like hormones are a huge one for people with adhd so really understanding and that again is a whole other conversation but i think it is it ultimately is just about asking the individual allowing the individual to to be open about that and that does it comes with a huge amount of trust on both sides because it would be really easy to say actually yeah I I don't really like working in the office and you know can I have an extra 10 grand a year (laughs) do you know what I mean but you have to there has to be trust on both sides to be able to effectively manage this and manage these dynamics because Mm. I've seen and been in some very very toxic situations that have come out of neurodivergence neurotypicals working together and just it's it's just a completely different language I mean I could keep asking you questions for hours but we'll we'll let the listeners go in a second (laughs) um maybe we'll come back for a part two and yeah in a few few months time it just says like a kind of any closing thoughts I guess is is there one thing that you maybe wish everyone listening knew about being a founder with ADHD or perhaps on a more kind of broad scale you know running your business in a kind of brain first way I think I would like to everyone to know that we have to work twice as hard to get the same results Mm. and we do that because we've always had to and that most of the time we're doing that while we have this internal monologue telling us you know all the things we've internalized over the years that we're lazy and we're stupid and we're going to get found out and Mm. you know it's like imposter syndrome on on steroids yeah but yeah I think I think there's also something this isn't one thing is it but I think (laughs) there's also something about I'm going to get emotional again but I when I asked my husband a, a while ago I can't remember where it came from but I said um what's one word you'd use to describe me it was something they were talking about on telly mm. and he said misunderstood oh. and I think that's such a huge thing of like our exterior we might look like we're furious or zoned out or whatever that might be and it's just this internal mm. battle that's going on inside of like 
I need to keep on top of this and don't forget that. And, you know, like a million things going on that just isn't reflected in our face or body language or Mm. whatever that might be. Um, I think that's a really important point. I think it's about, um, and I guess that comes back to accommodations, doesn't it? Mm. Making sure that the environment fits the working style and the person. Gosh, you nearly made me cry then. <laughs> I, cr- I bawled oh. my eyes out when he said it. I know. What a I word. Know. I know. Isn't it like it's so... I was like, don't you mean fit? or like <laughs> <laughs> Sexy. <laughs> Boss babe. Yeah. Incredible. No, misunderstood. Okay. <laughs> but he, he, I can imagine you must have felt so seen in that moment. Yeah. And like, oh yeah. God. Even because you probably wouldn't have ever used that to describe yourself. But no. you hear it and go, oh yeah, shit, that is, yeah. that is me summed up. Yeah. It's like someone gets me, like you get me. Mm. You know, of all the people that don't, and there's been many, many, many people who don't, mm. having that one person who really does. I know, I'm, I'm so lucky. I'm just so lucky. Mm. And I'm so excited for you to, by the sounds of it, now be going on a real journey of understanding. Yeah. I can imagine it's going to be a, a life of, of learning and yeah. of self-awareness. And I just am really grateful that, you're now not just doing that for yourself individually, but you know, allowing others to join you on that journey, however long you choose to keep sharing it for. Yeah. It's a real gift to people. And I really appreciate you sharing so much on this podcast because, you know, a shame to say that in 230 episodes, we've not uncovered, you know, yeah. neurodiversity as a business owner. It comes up so much in my conversations with clients. I know so many people that will resonate with this. And I know for me personally, as someone who's neurotypical, there's so much value in hearing that mm. perspective. And I yeah, just really appreciate you sharing everything. Thank you, Alice. Thanks for letting me talk about it. I don't think everyone's, you know, this is this is changing the conversation, isn't it? This mm-hmm. is part of it. This is really practical steps. So thank you for letting me talk about it on here. Yeah. If it's one of those episodes where I'm like, this is what I made the podcast for. Aww. Like, don't get me wrong. I love all the other guest episodes. <laughs> disclaimer, disclaimer. But I started. Hang on, does that mean <laughs> I'm the best? <laughs> you decide for yourself, Amanda. <laughs> Is your like worst idea of um, anything like the p- participation awards? You're like, no, no, I've won or I've not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not getting a medal in for participating. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I was saying, you know, I started this podcast because I, I wanted to have these conversations that genuinely were changing the narrative, you yeah. know, starting the conversation yeah. around the unspoken sides of business. Yeah. And I think the kind of, you know, if you can call it a movement, the movement going on at the moment that, you know, you're a part of, I just think it's really incredible. So I'm yeah. honoured to play a little part in it. Thank so. you so much. Not at all. I'll leave all of your links in the show notes Thank so people you. can come and find out more and, and follow along. And yeah. Thank you so much. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> So that's it for another episode of Starting the Conversation. I really hope you enjoyed listening in. As the title of this podcast suggests, these episodes are only the start of the conversation. So I'd love for you to continue that conversation by sharing your thoughts. Have you got an experience or perspective that you'd like to share related to what we discussed today? I'd love for you to come and find me over on Instagram or LinkedIn. You can just search my name, Alice Benham, and let me know what you thought. And hey, if you enjoyed listening into this episode, why not share it on your 
your socials or with a business friend. It means so much, not only because I love to see who's tuning in, I like to know where you're listening and what you're up to, but also just because it's one of the best ways for this podcast to reach new business owners and help even more people. Be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast because I'll be back in your ears next Tuesday with another episode. So until then, keep showing up, keep taking the messy action. I'm cheering you on. You have got this. Thank you.